spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 135th Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing uh, doing okay, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Uh, how it was your Thanksgiving? It was really good. I hung out with my family on Saturday out in Queen Creek and really good food. We played some board games afterwards had pie and, you know, really good time. How was yours? Uh, it was good. It was my favorite type, a nice kind of tight-knit, small Thanksgiving. I ate enough to get sick for my drive back to Minnesota, so that means it was a successful Thanksgiving, if you ask me. Nice. Yeah, we had uh, we actually had turkey and roast beef this year. Oh. So roast beef is my favorite food that my mom actually cooks. So I was super excited about that. You know what, actually, speaking of roast beef, my mama never really makes it, but I used to, I don't know how your mom makes it, but I used to make it for right after I got out of college. I used to, when I worked for 3M in the mm. uh, kitchens there, they used to make like homemade roast beef. Quite uh, quite delicious, actually. I don't know if your mom makes it from the raw cut of meat. She does. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, she basically browns it a little bit and then cooks it in the oven, I believe. But basically, we had so much food that not a lot of it got eaten. So I actually took a whole like big chunk of it home. So that was pretty good. I ate it like the whole next day. Yeah, that's uh, this is basically what I did as well. Uh, So you you have some big news you'd like to talk about here, don't you? Well, I realize that no one no one gives a shit, but uh, yeah, the Iowa Hawkeyes basically fell back asswards into the championship game for the Big Ten. So thank you to the Minnesota Golden Gophers for decimating the uh, you know the terrible Wisconsin Badgers. That was nice, <laughs> nice of them. When I saw I because I didn't watch the game or anything. When I saw that final score, I'm like, so you beat this team. That beat Iowa, but Iowa kicked you in the mouth, and you lost to, like, some kind of bad teams. So it's like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, we've been wondering that about our Iowa Hawkeyes, too. They, uh, it's it's weird. They were at one point number two in the nation, and then they fell all the way back to almost out of the top 25. And now they're kind of just crawling their way back. They're at, I think, 13th in the, uh, the CFP right now. Well, how ironic you'll get to face the number two team in yeah. the uh, in the country there. So, okay, let's percent wise, how confident are you? Let's say, well, okay, let's just do number one being not confident, 10 being the most confident. Where are you in this upcoming battle? I would say it probably matches my belief in the flat earth. Okay, so about a one. About a one. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Any given uh, Sunday or Saturday, you've probably seen 
were heard the Minnesota Vikings pulled their own Golden Gophers and got their teeth kicked in as well. I think we've all confirmed that I really hope Kirk Cousins is not on the team next year. Yeah, they really did a shitty job in giving him all that money. Really, I mean, it's it's kind of, you look back, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back at all of the great quarterbacks that were drafted in the past two to three years and what Minnesota could have taken if they would have just actually tried to go get one, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's uh, I'm starting to see a lot of comparisons between Kirk Cousins and Tony Romo. I'm uh, I'm seeing it. I don't think Kirk has the expertise of an announcer like Tony Romo has. Tony Romo, yeah, yeah. He, he's a he's a pretty good announcer. He's got a lot of insight. I know they had Drew Brees commentating his first game. He seemed a little shy. I I get that's pretty hard. Not everybody can be John Madden, but God damn, he seemed like very uncomfortable. I think with Tony Romo, so this is going to sound kind of weird. With Tony Romo, it's kind of a charisma thing. Yeah. So he's kind of got the look for someone you would want to be like the front man on TV. You know, he's kind of boisterous. He's like charming. He's got a lot of charisma. Drew Brees, he's not that guy. He's more of a backstage guy. He's right. You know. And here's the other thing. If you date Jessica Simpson like Tony Romo did, you got to have some swagger, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. He's got it going on for him, at least in that way. So, you know, the whole TV thing. And he didn't make the greatest quarterback, but he definitely has a lot of good vision when he's up in the booth. So yeah. Maybe not that great a vision when he's down on the field, but up in the booth, he can see how everything is turning out and he can really like call the play pretty well. So he's a pretty good golfer, too. I don't watch golf, but I apparently he's quite good. Uh, is he an anti-vaxxer as well? I don't know. He, uh, don't know. I doubt it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he could be because basically science and medicine has put his back back together several times. Yes. <laughs> man, he, <laughs> oh man, he, God, he fractured his back so many fucking times. Yeah, he did, he's not making that Kirk Cousins uh, quarterback money. So he probably has to keep his beliefs to himself. Honestly, I bet you, because I think he signed a $50 million contract to be an announcer. So he might end up making more money being an announcer than he did as a football player. I did not hear that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's people wanted him and he could drive up the bill. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) uh, speaking of people with broken backs, uh, what you want to take us in this week's episode, Phil? Yes. Uh, also, you know, another great segue coming from Cody. Thank you so much. <laughs> Throughout time, the need for believers to feel as if they have a true connection to their belief system has led to the worship of objects and idols that represent their faith, just as much as the gods and goddesses that make up the cores of their religion, whether they be of the natural world or a manifestation in living form. With the difficulty of keeping with the belief that cannot be seen, idolizing objects of importance to a faith, and even sometimes bestowing upon them certain magical powers that tie into the lore, can actually fill the gap between a new convert's mental barriers and the blind faith that is of course required from the religious hierarchy. Okay, now we can actually connect this to... What we were talking about uh, in the little 
warm-up session in the beginning there. So the Gophers had taken the religious relic back from the Wisconsin Badgers. I can't remember what it is. I don't. Paul Bunyan's axe. It's the axe. Okay, yes. and the Badgers had taken that fucking pig from the Iowa Hawkeyes. No, actually, so the pig is between Iowa and Minnesota. The bull is between Iowa and Wisconsin. The bull, okay. Yes. All right. Yep. Well, the Heartland Trophy. Okay. Well, you know what? These these can, can be considered religious relics in a weird way, right? Yeah, I suppose you can say that. I mean, maybe in a thousand years they will be. Right. Who knows? You know, football might become a religion someday. <laughs> now... This idolization was simpler in the early pagan beliefs with the worship of celestial bodies and the natural world. This easily be seen and held during any ceremonies that they may have or times of worship. However, this was made more difficult when the worship of nature fell out of style and a more centralized religion came into favor. The worship of personified gods that weren't quite as tangible as objects in the natural world was harder for one to put his faith in. And so, the creation of idols and relics was required to make real the faith that one believed. Okay, so are you stating that in the beginning it was harder to believe in a god or worship a god, singular god, maybe multiple gods, um, than it was to worship objects? Like nature, I guess. Well, no. So like early kind of pagan beliefs, a lot of them centered around things like the sun or the mountains or the rain or the river, uh, that kind of stuff. It, you know, not really, maybe there was a God attached to those things, but kind of more things in the natural world. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it, religious, religion overall is interesting because- you kind of got to have like the bad guy, the good guy, mm, the weaponry. A good story. Yeah, the symbolism, kind of things that you instantly think of when you think of the religion, right? Yeah, and a lot of those things like evolve over time too. So it's not something that maybe the story was written 2000 years ago or spoken of 2000 years ago, but it'd be completely different if spoken now or read from now. Just because of the changing fashion of really, you know, belief systems, religions, whatnot. Right, right. Now, the word relic, taken from the Latin relique, meaning remains, has to do with the veneration of either the remains or objects relating to certain saints or highly venerated figures in the religion. These relics are oftentimes objects associated with either an important event in the figure's life, their martyred death, or even pieces of the actual corpse of the religious figure themselves. So this could be like Rasputin's penis in a jar. Oh, yeah. I mean, you need an awful big jar. But yeah, definitely, <laughs> you know, it's, it's something like that. Okay. Yeah, something that goes along with the story. So can we? Can you put that in the realm of eating the Eucharist? I mean... It's supposed to be his body. It's yeah, it's more of a symbol. So these these are tangible things that last for centuries. So the the Eucharist is something that you, you know, buy that comes in a box and the big man up front 
puts his little blessing on it and then it becomes the body of Christ. So that's not really, maybe if it came in like a special chalice, possibly the chalice would be the relic. But have, have you ever thought, okay, if that's the blood or if that's the body of Jesus, right? Yeah. That man must have the worst psoriasis I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Yeah, he uh, needed to moisturize a little yeah, bit better. Just something, man. Jesus. Yeah, the worst was when you would see the old people going up and they wouldn't put their hand out. They would just stick their tongue out. Like, ugh. Well, I that's how that... that's how it was traditionally done. Yeah, no, I know. It's just, it's weird. And then you would also see whenever they brought out the wine, the old people would spit it back into the cup. Mm, that was you know the worst. What? That's how you get become closer with your congregation. Yeah, especially. <laughs> I'm sure it flies really well now with COVID. <laughs> In the Christian world, these relics, when either discovered or possibably created, were then kept in reliquies, ordinated oftentimes in jewels and precious metals, and put on display for pilgrims and parishioners to admire and adore, oftentimes become the object that the entire place of worship was built around. And actually, during history, there was a law that stated that all new places of worship needed to have a relic. I actually just read that before we went on tonight. Really? So I didn't have yeah, I didn't have time to throw it in anywhere. I just wanted to mention that. There was actually a law that stated that relics had to be in European churches. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I guess I, I wonder why exactly. I guess it might be a little boring if it didn't have a relic. Yeah, I mean it's kind of the sizzle with the steak sort of thing, I think. It kind of gives your religion some power. I mean, especially during the early days, this was a religion that was on the up. So they were really trying to convert all of these different pagan beliefs from around Europe and later on around the world. Gotcha. Okay. Of all the Christian relics, the most famous and possibly most numerous are the pieces of the true cross. Now, these are small scraps of wood venerated as the pieces of the cross that, of course, Jesus Christ was supposedly martyred on. These were found all over the Christian world. A lot of them had certain magical powers bestowed upon them. So this is interesting because, okay, if he died on this specific two pieces of wood, right, how did two pieces of wood turn into such powerful devices like even the well, splinter is like fucking a piece of his heart horror or whatever basically yeah it it kind of i'm gonna mention it a tiny bit later on but i'll kind of go into it right now so when he had the five holy wounds um the two in his hand the two in his feet and the one in his side he bled out all over the wood that the cross was made out of. And this is supposedly where the magical powers come from, is the blood of Jesus. Interesting. Well, anybody who's seen the movie The Nun, apparently his blood's very powerful. Have you watched that film? I do not believe so. I possibly saw a version of it on Pornhub, maybe. <laughs> but maybe you, go, you can go in. Well, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but it's basically... <laughs> To defeat the demon, one speck of Jesus' blood basically kills him instantly. Uh, I, th I believe I saw that on Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. it's Great very, very corrosive. All right. 
Yeah, I've never seen that movie, so. It's a piece of shit. I wouldn't recommend it. Awesome. Now, the first mention of the discovered pieces of the True Cross was in the 4th century AD, when the first Roman emperor to convert to Christianity, Emperor Constantine, sent his mother, Helena, later canonized as a saint, to the Holy Land. Now, this was in order to find any sacred objects she could find relating to Jesus Christ. There, she found a pagan temple built during the time of Emperor Hadrian on the site of Jesus' tomb near Calvary, and, believing it to be a heresy, had the temple destroyed. Now, allegedly, the workers who had taken down the temple had found underneath it three crosses in the ruins in 326 AD. Okay, so who are the other two crosses belonging to? Well, we mentioned in the episode two weeks ago about kind of like the story of Jesus being on one cross and the two prisoners being on the other. So that kind of goes along with the story of there being three crosses they found and three crosses in the story. Okay, are their crosses powerful as well just from like being in proximity from the main cross? No, they are not. Okay, damn it. So, okay, yeah, they... Yeah, the prisoner's blood didn't quite have the same uh, pizzazz that Jesus' blood had, I guess. Interesting. Okay. Now, according to the 4th century historian Rufus, in order to figure out which cross was the one which Jesus was hung from, a dying woman was brought to the site of the ruined church. And she was then made to touch each of these crosses to see which of the three had had the body and blood of Christ on them. After nothing had happened when she had touched the first two crosses, she then touched the third cross, and she had miraculously recovered. Okay, well, apparently she's not very good at picking the first, the correct cross on the first try. Also, a historian historian named Rufus. Man, the late, he must have had to have a fucking crowbar to pry the chicks <laughs> off of him. Holy crap. I imagine it maybe was a more uh, famous name than okay. uh, it is now. There's actually in the movie Dogma, which I've mentioned before, there is a character played by Chris Rock named Rufus. Oh, so. okay. I just assume this guy probably had a junkyard or something. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you, you know, all the 1960s and 70s movies and TV shows, if there was a character named Rufus, he probably did a job like that. So, <laughs> After discovering the true cross, Helena would have it cut up, leaving most of the fragments behind in Jerusalem, though she would take a sizable chunk back to Europe, which is said to have spread throughout Christian Europe and even multiply with the pieces finding their way to all parts of the expanding Christian world. These would spawn churches and abbeys in all the major cities in Europe. Okay, I mean, that's a hell of uh, an attraction, I guess. You've got pieces of cross that Jesus was nailed to. That's going to that's gonna draw in some spectators. Oh, yeah, definitely. So basically, from that story, uh, there is a, a ton of relics that come out of that very famous day from the Bible. Um, A lot of other relics were things like pieces of his crown of thorns. There were also nails from the true cross, 
uh, like I mentioned previously, all of the little pieces, a lot of these church just kind of had them on display in reliquies. Okay, serious question here, though. So we know when you die, okay, you release your bowels and piss, basically. So yep. if there is a piece of the cross that had not only Jesus's blood, but also his poop and piss, would that make that like the most powerful pieces of the cross? Well, you know, all of them always usually have something to do with the function. Touching Jesus's blood heals you. Perhaps touching Jesus's shit maybe heals your constipation. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe it gives you pink eye. Hmm? Maybe that's Possibly. what happens. <laughs> yeah. Good. You touch the pee, you turn into R. Kelly, I guess. I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. Those are the cursed pieces, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, these pieces of the true cross were said to have magical powers. This was including the ability to heal sickness and health maladies of all sorts in the people who had laid their hands on it. Now, this would cause believers to make pilgrimages to these scraps of wood from all over Europe in order to heal their many health problems. I mean, yeah, that would be it'd be awesome if there it was that simple. Um, yes. I guess people during this time, you know, what was the average lifespan, 12 years old or something? So, uh, yeah, they had a lot of diseases and things like that. So I guess you would do anything to heal yourself. Yeah, I mean, we had an episode on, what was it, the incense, like frankincense and myrrh. A lot of that stuff was used as medicine back then. Right. So it's, right. it's a situation where during medieval times, Health actually went down with the end of the Roman Empire. So really, yeah, from so, cleanliness. Um, cleanliness went down also. So the Romans built aqueducts everywhere, which brought clean water into cities. Without those aqueducts, when they started, you know, falling apart, that people didn't have clean water just flowing into the city anymore. So basically, instead of all of the shit and piss washing out. It just kind of was hanging out in the streets after that. Yeah, so. yeah, I saw. Yeah, I suppose that's a good point. Uh, you know, yeah. there's obviously places in the world that still exist today that don't have clean water. You know, they deal with a lot of plagues and things like that. A lot of disease from that. Yes. Yeah. Actually, the Romans too built baths, bathhouses all over the Roman Empire. So when the Roman Empire went down, all of those baths went down also which basically meant that instead of people taking you know regularly having hot water to bathe now they might you know jump in a river every couple of months hopefully so yeah you know what's weird about that we live in a society for the most part in america where everyone has access to washing themselves right most yeah. people most people obviously there's plenty that don't but pittsburgh of course <laughs> But it's hard to imagine. I have met people who have access to a shower or a bath, and they still refuse to use it on a regular basis. It's very strange. Yeah, some people believe that taking a shower too many times, there's famously, what was it, Ashton Kutcher and his wife, Mia Kunis. They actually were talking about how they as a family, like none of the members of their family bathe that often. So that's kind no, of a famous recent example. Oh, no, I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I got to take a shower once a day. Can't can't do it. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, we both have very, you know, physical demanding jobs. So we, you know, 
I I couldn't go more than a day without showering, or I'd lose a lot of friends. So. I it's it's like your hair turns greasy. You mm-hmm. just like it doesn't matter if you're sweating or not. It just it's gonna get build up, man. Yeah, I don't have to worry so much about the hair part anymore. But I do remember when I did have a lot of hair on top of my head, and uh, yeah, it it got bad if you didn't do it, like didn't shower every day and started getting kind of gross. So, well, you've heard it here first, uh, subliminal deception. We recommend bathing regularly. Pro pro, pro bathing. <laughs> pro bathing. Anti Ashton Kutcher. Definitely. So. There were some skeptics for all of these little scraps of wood that had made their way around Europe. Uh, John Calvin, the Protestant reformer, once actually commented on the many relics that were claimed to be pieces of the true cross, stating that if all the pieces that could be found were collected together, they would make a big shipload. Yet the gospel testifies that a single man was able to carry it. So he's kind of making a joke that if you if you brought all of these pieces together they would be way more than just like one chunk of wood. I, you know what, John Calvin, I like it. Sadly, the Protestant eventually would morph into something that's just about as bad as the Catholics from what I remember. Yeah, well, they were kind of big against the (laughs) idolization of like the image of Jesus. Ah. So I guess going against these idols would maybe, you know, kind of go along with that. Right. So, right. Like the Catholics are really big on like idolizing either these relics or pictures of Jesus, Mary, you know, all of the saints and everything like that. So, gotcha. Now, an explanation given by theologians for the fragments of the cross's ability to be split up and divided amongst the many reliquies was that the supposed magical ability that the pieces of the cross had. Now, this was their theory that the scraps were actually indestructible. Uh, This was made possible by the holy blood that was spilled on the wood by the five wounds Jesus suffered during his death. This is the explanation for why the chunk of the true cross that was brought by Helena could be divided so many times without being destroyed completely. Also, why the pieces of the true cross could survive two millennia while so many of the other crucifixes used by the Romans for executions haven't survived at all. So basically what you're saying here is that they believe it could be broken up into so many pieces simply due to the fact that it was indestructible. Yes, and it also has, from what I read, like a magical ability to replicate. So not only does it have the ability to be like broken down into many pieces and survive, but it also seems to multiply too. I didn't really understand how that one works, but that's the reason why there were so many scraps of the true cross all over the Christian world. Kind of wish, honestly, they could make like a, you know, like the dollar shave club, like the razors, but make them out of the, <laughs> the Holy cross to give the ultimate shave and the blades would never wear down because they're indestructible. Yes, and they would replicate themselves, too. So you only yeah. had to buy, buy the one. Or, you know, like they have um, diamond-bladed saws, right? You put yes. some of these on there, man, you could cut through diamonds like it's nothing. Definitely. Yeah. would be sick. Well, those, those diamond scraps are just as worthless as the little pieces of wood. So <laughs> everyone thinks, di- like, oh, those diamond blades must be expensive. No, they're not. 
the diamonds are actually pretty pretty worthless. Yeah, pretty well they do have okay, I did learn this. They have um like industrial diamonds, the yes. ones that go onto like saws and stuff, and then they have whatever they call the valuable ones. Um yeah, I've seen that before because I think the industrial ones are the ones that are created by meteorites, right? And then I think the ones that people wear are created by volcanic pressure in the ground. I think. I think. I could well, be wrong. So I don't think there are any created by meteorites. But so when they cut up a diamond into like a a, a pretty diamond, like a something that you could sell, they have a lot of little scrap of like little flecks of diamond left. There's also diamonds that they dig up that aren't very pretty that end up getting crushed and sold as industrial diamonds. Oh. Also, they can actually make diamonds now. So Ah. Well, yeah. what I mean was like the diamonds aren't on a meteorite. It's like the impact of and I guess this wouldn't go for all of them, but they have some where it was essentially a meteorite however long ago hit the ground so hard it caused that um oh, pressure, the pressure the pressure and compression which yeah. then formed the diamonds so it's like the the heat and the impact from hitting that specific type of dirt i guess or material it caused diamonds to come out of it just simply due to the heat and pressure okay i get what you're saying yeah, yeah i thought you meant it was made from actual meteorites no no, no okay no. gotcha that yeah. would actually probably be pretty valuable those would be more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I did see a little bit about this, so I'm just going to kind of rush through it really quick, just kind of mention it. There is a last supposed ability of the pieces of the true cross. Uh, that is that it has the power to bring someone back from the dead. So that necromancy shit uh, apparently okay. also is in the lore too, but I didn't see a lot about it. So You know what's interesting about this? So let's just say I'm going to go out on a limb here and say most religious people are opposed to the let's just say COVID vaccine it's usually all of them um, but in this they speculate that maybe that'll turn everybody into zombies right but the truth is they might actually have the equipment to bring back zombies in in their own lore I guess so what do I you mean... think about that I've never really heard of the COVID turning people into zombies. I've heard it turning people like unable to have children. I've heard of it basically having microchips in it, like all the common stuff. I've never heard of the necromancy part of it. You've never seen people linking that fucking I am, uh, I am legend thing? No, I haven't. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm going to be Will Smith and you guys are all going to be the little <laughs> zombie things from I am legend. I did actually hear, well, I, it was a documentary I watched on basically looking up like the QAnon stuff and all the conspiracy theories, giving people the feeling that they're the hero of this story. So that kind of would make sense. Uh, I know you don't have HBO, but if you eventually get it for, in yeah, in a month, definitely watch Into the Storm, all about QAnon leading up to the... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. January 6th. Yes. It's very good. Very informative about the QAnon stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to give that one a look. Now, aside from the pieces of the true cross, other relics from the day that Jesus supposedly died have also popped up throughout history with one, though not as famous as the Shroud of Turin, being a holy veil. 
Now, this was claimed to have actually been a veil that had the image of Jesus's face imprinted on it. Uh, while carrying the cross to Golgotha, a woman named Veronica is said to have wiped the face of Jesus with her veil. And according to legend, afterwards, the image of Jesus's face actually appeared on the veil and became known as the Veil of Veronica. Veronica was later canonized. Okay, so, oh, it was. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know why, and I'm sure there's a lot of lovely Veronicas out there, but every time I hear, like, the name Veronica, I, I it's like she's got to be a spy. Yes. She's maybe an assassin of some kind. Like, the very, very sneaky lady's name. In a lot of movies made in the last 20 years, Veronica is usually the e the evil ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or like or like I said, like a I don't know, like a really smart spy or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Like a, could be a hangover from uh like the the Cold War, the Russians. Could be. Know. Now, I don't know if you're going to talk about the History Channel apparently doing the thing with this veil. No, I didn't see that. Do you know something about this veil? Or was that the Shroud of Turin? I don't know. What's the one that they people claim is Jesus' face on it, and they like did something to reconstruct what the face would look like from it? And I, I think I, I did see one on the History Channel that was the Shroud of Turin. Okay. Maybe that's what it is then. And they were asking all the girls about the face, and they're like, oh, man, he's hot. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember I was that. laughing pretty hard. Like, man, it Jesus was. is kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird because in all of like the imagery you see and all the it's always the the white version of Jesus too, which is a little weird. Yeah. So it's never it's never the like the Arabic or the Hebrew, you know, looking Jesus figure that you used to see like like sixteen hundred years ago when you'd see a painting of Jesus, it would always be that Jesus. But then about I don't know when it was exactly when they changed him over to a more like Germanic looking Jesus. That's the one that you see now in all of the, you know, basically the recreations. A lot yeah. of these are recreations. I'm just gonna I'm gonna we I'm gonna say that at the end, but I'm just gonna say these are a lot of recreations. So Right. Yeah. Obviously if we follow where he was born and everything, obviously <laughs> he almost has to be uh, Middle Eastern or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. He does not look like he's from Germany at all or <laughs> France. Now, this veil, said to be the one that was formerly on display in Rome, is now allegedly kept in St. Peter's Basilica, though it is no longer on display. That veil, however, was not the only one presented in Europe, as many copies would pop up until the forgeries would actually be outlawed in the 17th century by the Pope of that time. Yeah, that fucking Vatican, man, they claim to have a lot of goodies that they just do not tell uh, people about. Yeah, it is funny how they kind of, over the past two, three hundred years, they've been outlawing a lot of either the replicas or, you know, even having some of these uh, relics. But they always seem to keep them in the Vatican. Yeah, I was so, gonna, I was gonna say it's always like, well, we have them. Oh, hey, can we, can, can we take can a we look at them? No, 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 can't, can't, can't do it. Can't, can't see it. No, Big Papa Jesus wouldn't like that. No, <laughs> sorry. No, you, you can't carbon test our piece of the true cross because, uh, <laughs> no, nah, you, uh, 
you know, wouldn't work like that, you know. Well, carbon dating is faked according to them anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely. Anything that proves anything is fake. <laughs> now, I'm going to get into this next relic. Uh, it is a little more on the strange side. So relics taken from Jesus's birth were also very numerous. Now, this, was inclu- this would include uh, sacred spoons, pieces of the original manger, and his crib. Uh, but one of the strangest of these childhood relics of Jesus was actually part of Jesus's body. Okay, uh, here's the thing. The manger, isn't that just a pile of fucking hay? Basically, from what I read, it was kind of, uh, well, you, you grew up on a farm. You know, you know how animals kind of eat out of troughs? That's kind of what that looked like, was just kind of like a trough with hay in it. Okay, if you look at the nativity scene, right, with the manger, there's a fucking donkey there all the time, and I guarantee that goddamn donkey ate that hay after jesus left oh yeah i imagine he probably the donkey probably has magical powers too (laughs) can you imagine how powerful um fucking jesus's placenta would have been holy shit oh yeah i'm actually going to talk about that in a second oh okay now according to myth after the resurrection jesus is said to have ascended in body and spirit up to heaven leaving nothing of his body behind This is, of course, with two very odd exceptions. Now, according to the legend, following Jewish religious practices, the baby Jesus was circumcised eight days after his birth. This took place supposedly in a cave. Uh, Now, after the ceremony, his mother, Mary, kept the foreskin along with the umbilical cord. And after Jesus' death, it is said that she gave the remains of Jesus to Mary Magdalene. Okay, um, interesting. Now, yep. I, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here, Phil, but I had heard the old way they used to do it is a rabbi would literally bite the foreskin off of a baby um, and not use a uh, knife or something. Uh, had, and- you, had you heard that before? In all of the pictures, or the not pictures, in all of the paintings, they it, he was using a knife. Okay, all right. I I had just heard, and maybe that's an anti-Semitic lie. I don't know, but I heard traditionally they would bite it off. Yeah, I have heard that there was uh, some one of the weird things that they used to do was actually like sucking the blood out. Yeah. With yeah. their mouth. I didn't hear it like biting the foreskin off, but okay. yeah, I did hear that. The sucking so. on the blood of it, I did hear that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though. Would that, I mean, here's the paradox because he probably would have had to have a knife sharpened with cross wood to be able to cut through his foreskin, right? Well, I mean,. That happened. He might have. If he was. He, he was just. A, he was a human. He was a human, so he could okay. be cut and killed, and okay. and also he wouldn't be killed for another alleged thirty-three years. So okay, well, yeah. you'd assume if he was sucking the blood out of it after he did it, at least he would have turned into like, I don't know, fucking Superman or something. <laughs> Possibly <laughs> like, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, he became. <laughs> Penis blood, man. That's what he became. (laughs) Penis blood, man. He was flying all over the place there. Definitely. So a few centuries later, 
an angel is said to have appeared to Emperor Charlemagne and gave him the pieces of Jesus's remains, which would allegedly make their way around Europe for about the next 1,100 years or so. Okay, so are you telling me this angel came down and she had a dried up piece of skin and was like, here, Emperor, I am gifting this to you. Well, according to kind of like the legends, the umbilical cord and the foreskin were also indestructible. Oh, well, that, okay. I, all right. Well, I mean, she handed it to him and there's an umbilical cord. He's like, what the hell is this? The fucking Slim Jim? <laughs> he like tries to yeah. bite it and he's like, what the fuck is this? You would be a little bit weirded out wondering, yeah. you know. Honestly, Charlemagne was probably hoping for a sword or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Pro- he's like, what is this? I don't know. I, anyway, anyway <laughs> go on. This is very strange. Yeah. The holy prepice or for- holy foreskin was prized <laughs> as a magical fertility treatment for women, not only helping some women to conceive, but also easing the process of childbirth. Probably the most famous recipient of the foreskin's magical powers was supposedly the story of the wife of Henry V, Catherine of Valais, when in 1421, King Henry had heard a rumor about a relic in the recently conquered country of France. He actually sent his soldiers to retrieve that relic. When they returned, the supposed sweet smell of the foreskin is said to have relaxed Catherine and allowed her to sus- <laughs> And allowed her to successfully give birth to the next king of England, Henry VI. Uh, this is even though Henry VI was supposedly a breech baby. Okay, so he was treating... At first, I'm like, what is he going to do with it? I didn't know if like, he put it around his penis like during intercourse or something. But he used it like uh, smelling salts, kind of. Yeah, supposedly it's the smell of it that... Okay. Uh, gives off the magic power. So was it? She did they soak this foreskin in fucking Febreze to like preserve it, or why? What I the fuck no is idea. going on here? It's uh, it's a relic. So if it's from Jesus, it's supposedly indestructible. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. This is by far the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. This is. I'm just hearing about. So this actually. This whole episode was going to be on the Spear of Destiny, but then I found all of these other weird things. So now the Spear of Destiny is just the last thing I'm talking about, all and right. this is kind of the main thing. So, all right. One of the holy precipices on display had been at an abbey in France, and is said to have led to thousands of births. Uh, the Vatican actually forbade writing about the holy precipice in the year 1900. Uh, with the threat of excommunication coming to the violators of their law. The last known one on display was in Italy, in the village of Calcata. This was actually lost in 1983. Uh, It had disappeared from the shoebox that it was housed in, uh, which was basically underneath the bed of the priest who owned it. The villagers believe that the Vatican actually stole the foreskin from them. Now, the foreskin originally brought to the town in 1527 had been put on display for parishioners. Uh, They would actually take it out every January 1st, which is the supposed date of Jesus's circumcision. Okay. It would be taken out of the church and paraded around the city. 
At any given time in medieval Europe, I read that there were about 18 different holy foreskins on display. Well, I, okay. Maybe he just had a lot of it. Yeah. This is also one of those things that they don't really have. I mean, it's not quite as important as pieces of the true cross. So I don't think they're going to make excuses for it. But I'm guessing that there were a lot of, you know, replicas. Out here's there. here's my speculation. So you said all there's thousands of births, right? The lots of conception, lots of sex, lots of fucking. I yep. have a feeling that was actually historian Rufus's foreskin um, that was there, <laughs> not Jesus's, because he clearly is a god of fertility. Yeah, I could see that. It was. I mean, I imagine that. You know, if the story of the, you know, thousands of births that came from the foreskin wasn't just kind of exaggerated, I'm guessing that maybe kind of like the placebo effect, like these women maybe just seeing it kind of gave them, you know, like their brain almost like turned something on and it worked. Here's the other thing. Also, they were on vacation, too, so maybe they, you know, got some strange on the road. Maybe their husbands <laughs> were infertile. Here's the other thing. How is it that a man that allegedly died a virgin is somehow like this sex deity with his foreskin? Well, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, the part of the body or what he touched, it kind of goes along with the story. So, you know, part of... Jesus's dick is going to become like a fertility treatment. Imagine if they had like a fucking tablespoon of his jizz. You'd have fucking <laughs> uh, whatever that one family of 17 kids is. That'd be like the normal. Oh, yeah. Just anyone who visited it. Would yeah. Just fucking. You couldn't even yeah. go. You couldn't even go within a two mile radius or you'd end up pregnant. Men and Con women. Condoms just shred <laughs> upon taking them. Yeah, exactly. Relics made of remains of saints and venerated individuals were also popular, with some examples being the arm of St. Xavier, the finger of St. Thomas, which allegedly touched Jesus, and perhaps most famously, the head of John the Baptist, which was brought back by the Crusaders with the actual original relic, alleged original relic, said to be on display in the Vatican at certain times. So, allegedly, in the Vatican, they have the head of somebody. Yes, the supposed head of John the Baptist. Okay, or, I mean... Though there were also a few different heads of John the Baptist kind of also making their way around Europe, so who knows? So, it's probably just some balding fat guy, and it's just his head there. Yeah, it could be just some plague victim from the <laughs> fucking 1300s, who knows? You know, one of those situations. So, okay, if the if this guy's finger was just touched by Jesus, god damn, I mean I don't I don't what about all the women like he I don't know, you know, if he did have sex with Mary Magdalene, shouldn't she be like a demigod or something? Yeah, you would think. Yeah. She's got <laughs> she's <laughs> they have just the golden snitch on display in some, <laughs> in some churches around the world. Yeah. God damn, I don't know. Holy shit. I mean, yeah, this, uh, they're literally worshiping every single piece of this man's body. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things, too. Um, it was big business, these relics back then. I mean, if you could go around and charge people 
to come and look at it. You can make a lot of money. If you were the one making these or allegedly finding these relics, then you could sell them to all these different churches, you know, drive up the price with bidding wars. It's it's big business back then. So I guess so. Uh, That is by far the weirdest fucking part of a relic I've ever heard, Phil, I think. Yeah, honestly, it's it's the reason why I'm basically talking about all these different relics and not just the Spear of Destiny. It's <laughs> it's the craziest thing I've ever read. Yeah, so yeah, I've never, never even I've heard... never heard of that. Before. No, but it is hilarious. But it does make sense because it became illegal in the Catholic Church to write about it after the year 1900. So it's no one's powerful. been able to really in the Catholic Church write about that relic for 121 years. So only outside sources. Mm, okay. All right. Now on to the final relic. Hell yeah. And that is the Spear of Destiny. Now the story of the Spear of Destiny comes from the legend of the man who was touching the spear, or it's also known as the lance, at the time of the creation of the fifth holy wound, as the Roman centurion punctured the side of Jesus. This was either to see if Jesus had actually truly died or possibly, in some stories, it was because of the soldier's cruelty towards execution victims. I don't... Okay, if you had to choose one of those two, which one are you leaning on? Um, Poking him to see if he's dead. Yeah. that's kind. Of, yeah, that's kind of what I would assume. Because, I mean, that's easier than, like, you know, when you're trying to wake somebody up, you know, like, shake their legs, like, hey, buddy, how you doing up there? I do remember, though, I do remember, though, when we were kids going to like in our religion classes, I do remember hearing that the soldier stabbed him in the side uh, to be cruel. So I do remember that. Yeah, they did not like the Romans when we what they taught us. A lot of uh, the other sects have a different view on them. Yeah, it was definitely they were always the bad guy. So. Maybe he had the piece of the foreskin on his spear, and that's why he was able to cut him so deep. Able to pierce his side. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, yeah kind of like you know. need kryptonite to take Superman down. You need the foreskin to take Jesus down. Yeah, it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger in Jr. situation where he also <laughs> impregnated him, too. Now, according to Christian legend, the centurion named Longinus, now known in the Christian faith as St. Longinus, had suffered from some kind of eye ailments or eye deformity at the time of the crucifixion of Jesus. Though, according to the legend, after he stabbed the side of Jesus, the blood and water that poured out of the fifth holy wound landed either on the Roman soldier's eye or possibly his hand, which he then wiped his eye with. And supposedly, his eye ailment was miraculously healed. Well, first off, sir, this is why we wear PPE nowadays. Yes. So shit does not get in your eyes. But I guess, happy accident, same thing kind of happened to Daredevil. Um, He got shit in his eye and he got, well, he even went blind, but then he got superpowers. Yeah, it's it's still a poor trade-off. I'd probably rather have eyesight. Yeah, I'd really rather not get anybody's blood in my eye. Um, yeah, personally, but I guess it worked out for longest longiness or whatever his name is. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how to say his name, so I'm just kind of breezing through it. Longiness. It honestly sounds like a guy who should be a porn star. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. 
if there was like a porno with like Roman Centurion in it, his name would be like Longinus. <laughs> what, no. if the, what if this the blood actually just made his dick like not thick, but just really long? <laughs> just just really dragged long. behind him like a tail. Yeah. So allegedly, this instantly turned that Roman Centurion into the first Christian convert after Jesus' death. And that's where the Saint Longinus, the canonized, comes from. Well, what if, okay, he actually just had something in his eye and the the blood just helped him wash it out and that's why he could see again? Yeah, I did read a few different things. So one of them was saying that he had an eye deformity. There was another like kind of Christian, I don't know, uh, story that I had read that said that his eye ailment was just from old age. His, you know, yeah. poor eyesight. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, let's be realistic. They're going to fail us all. Our eyes will fail us all eventually. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. I have poor eyesight, and I, I use contacts every day. I can't see anything without them. I couldn't imagine living 2,000 years ago and not even realizing that I had just shit eyesight. You know, just thinking that this is how it... Because until I was 13, I thought this is just how everyone saw. Wait, you don't... You know? So you were talking about the Romans had aqueducts and everything. You don't think they had lens crafters? No, I don't think they had mm. lens crafters. How about Target Optical? No, maybe Target, but not okay. Target Optical. Okay, no. all right. Now, there are some problems with this story, as the name Longinus doesn't actually show up in the Bible, only really being referred to as the Centurion in the Christian Holy Text. Instead, the name actually first appears in the apocryphal book of Nicodemus, also known as the Acts of Pilate, which was a patchwork of early Christian text believed to have been compiled in about the 4th century AD, uh, never actually being written by the man known as Nicodemus, who was supposedly a contemporary of Jesus Christ himself, and, like you mentioned two weeks ago, assisted Joseph of Armethia in preparing the body of Jesus for burial. So who did they think wrote this then? It was a bunch of different Christian texts that were just kind of compiled. Like imagine a book of short stories. Gotcha. And it's just basically all about the crucifixion mostly? All about early Christian stories. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And the acts of Pilate. So that Pontius Pilate, you know. And then a lot of uh a lot of books that the Bible uh, didn't use the people who compiled the Bible actually cut out a lot of these stories, a lot of the apocryphal texts. Okay, and that's when the this dude's name first appeared. Yes, that's when okay. Longinus's name first appeared yeah, okay. as the Centurion. Okay, so that might not even be his real name. That just might be kind of a cool name. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a fanfic. That's kind okay. of what I got uh, the impression of. So, okay, okay, I see. Yep. There were a lot of early writers of these apocryphal texts. I so. suppose they saw how uh, popular the Bible had gotten figured <laughs> they might <Yeah>. as well. Uh, <laughs> Cash in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think of how many spin-off books from the Harry Potter series there probably are in the world. Oh, yeah. All, imagine, like, all the Star Wars fan fiction. Oh, man. People are making so much money off of those. Right, Yeah. right. Many of them have no business writing anything. <laughs> now, actually, uh, this is kind of interesting. I found that the second book of Nicodemus actually states that Jesus went down to hell and opened the gates to free the condemned souls. This was between his death and his resurrection. So kind of like a cool adventure story. Okay. Uh, that's pretty metal, honestly. Yeah. 
Uh, that- that's kind of kind of one of those things that you don't really hear about growing up in a Catholic church because they completely just cut it out. So would that mean that nobody except for the devils in hell right now and I guess demons? Well, it's almost kind of like these were good people that Jesus freed during his resurrection. So I'm guessing that if people actually did go to hell, there's been quite a few of them, you know, in the last 2000 years. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Interesting. Just, just like the famous Keanu Reeves South Park episode. <laughs> where the army of hell was, you know, a few billion strong. Yep, I remember that one. That's a good episode, actually. Yep. And of course, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or the was it the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons who made up Heaven's Army? I can't remember, but it, yeah. I remember it's only one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was like twenty six years ago. So now the name shows up along with the description of the martyred centurion who had converted to Christianity after receiving the healing Christ fluids. After he converted to Christianity, he actually left for Cappadocia, which is an area in eastern Anatolia. Anatolia is the name for modern-day Turkey that was used in the ancient past. Later, he would actually be followed to his home by Roman soldiers who beheaded Longinus for openly teaching the gospel of Christ. After he was said to show the Roman soldiers a great amount of hospitality. So even though he was very nice to them, they still cut his head off. In this story, they really were not fans of Christians. No, yeah. The Romans, basically in all the stories that came in the you know next couple hundred years after Jesus Christ supposedly died, the Romans were kind of hunting down Christians. And, you know, all of the martyrs that came out of that time. All right. Interesting. Now, there are at least three that I read about, Spear of Destinies, that kind of circulated around. Uh, One of the more famous ones was actually carried by Charlemagne into 47 battles that he had won, but he had actually dropped the spear and he was killed afterwards. That's kind of a big thing about the story is when you have the Spear of Destiny, you're allowed to kind of control the destiny of Earth, either for good or bad. But if you ever lose the spear, it'll go completely against you. So all of the luck that maybe you had received won't be there anymore. So, okay, one quick thing. So are we assuming that the soldier just held on to the spear when the Roman soldiers went there to kill him, they took it and then it's kind of been passed into other people's hands, such as Charlemagne. Yeah, well, Charlemagne was kind of a collector of relics. So he kind of comes up a lot in the um, in the stories of these relics. So it's not surprising that there's a story of him having the Spear of Destiny at one time. Also, he is a huge uh, military figure in history. Gotcha. Okay, because, yeah, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest, I don't know much about him. But the thing I guess I'm trying to follow is like did okay so if you're a roman soldier they issue you weapons right like do you get to just keep those weapons or like at the end of your shift you have to turn them in do they do a count for the weapons like what did he steal the spear that he pierced jesus with like how did how did that work you think well in one story uh in a okay so in a different spear of destiny story During the Crusades, they actually found one of the spears in Antioch, and they carried that spear 
into the crusade battles and they actually won the crusade battles because the spear was carried into battle with the christians so that was a different spear of destiny than this one this spear of destiny mostly kind of hung around the holy roman empire uh amongst the germanic rulers but they even though it might look like a regular spear they knew it was a special one well so the Spear of Destiny right now doesn't actually have the piece of wood on it. Basically, it's the two pieces of metal held together by a nail, which is said to be one of the nails of the True Cross. Wouldn't that have to be a big nail then? No, this is basically just a nail going into two pieces of metal to connect it. It's also connected by uh, some precious metals and, you know, it's kind of fancied up a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. If you so look wait, at a picture of it. So wait, they're saying that they have they have the spear on display somewhere in the world currently, allegedly. Yes. It's in the it's in the Hofsburg Museum. So I can actually I'm actually gonna go into the story a little bit. So when Napoleon was trying to find it, but it was actually smuggled out and kept out of his hands. Who it couldn't be kept away from though was Hitler. So Hitler actually when he invaded Basically, when he went to Poland, he had his troops go and get it for him. And then he put it allegedly in a vault in Nuremberg. So you don't have to actually physically hold the spear. It can just be in your vicinity, kind of. It ha- it just has. You just have to be in control of it, basically. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, the problem is the Allies... Uh, you know, the Russians, the British, the Americans were coming in from all sides. And when the Americans actually found the Spear of Destiny and took it out of Hitler's possession, 90 minutes later, now supposedly, allegedly, 90 minutes after the Americans captured the Spear of Destiny, Hitler killed himself in his vault. That's kind of the story. Yeah, I've I've heard this. Who would who'd they say had it um, or took it McCarthy? Um. I didn't read who actually took it, but... Well, I mean, that this is all speculation, but... Oh, you mean like the legend? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I don't think McCarthy did much in Europe. I think it might have been more like Patton, probably, yeah, see, if yeah, I had see, to guess yeah, that, anybody. That's probably I have no idea. Who, that's probably who story. I'm thinking of. Yeah. I bet that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, McCarthy was more of a uh, Pacific theater general. Gotcha. Yeah. So basically, after the Americans captured the spear, they gave it back to the Hofsburg Museum. And that's kind of the story. But I did actually come up with a little bit of a conspiracy. This is mostly kind of in more science fiction type situations. But it's kind of a belief that possibly the United States didn't give the real Spear of Destiny back. What they gave them was a replica. And the United States kept the Spear of Destiny. And actually, that's how they became the rulers of the world. The, you know, the winning superpower of the Cold War was the fact that America is in possession of the Spear of Destiny. And they keep it somewhere like Fort Knox or, you know, in one of their secrets, uh, you know, underground tombs that they have with all their other relics. Well, I mean, I would assume that's where Barry Satira's birth certificate is as well. And um, his time machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the one I had heard that the U.S. got it after they defeated Hitler. 
And then they currently still have it, but have given back a fake one. Yeah, it's kind of um, it's I believe it was in the the comic. I believe it was in like a comic book or something where it first showed up is what I read. But there are kind of like stories that came out of it where um, kind of like the fight over keeping the spear of destiny, you know, that that kind of thing. But yeah, the conspiracy is that America actually is in control of the spear of destiny. And that's why we are, you know, the world superpower right now, though. China's, you know, nipping at our heels pretty yeah, quick. That, so. That's what I thought. I'm like, <laughs> so did the Chinese get it somehow? I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, it's. I don't know. That's that's a uh, quite fantasyful um, uh, thing there about the spear. It's weird that Jesus's other things, you know, get you pregnant, they heal you, they protect you, whatever. But for some reason, the spear makes you like a conqueror. Well, it's kind of like I was saying how its use outside of the lore kind of goes along with what it will be. So blood has magical power. The blood from Jesus has magical powers, but when it spills onto a weapon, then all of a sudden it becomes a magical weapon. This, you know, incredible weapon, the God's weapon, basically. So Hmm. interesting. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to exclude the other relics uh, for now, but uh, how are you feeling about the spear of destiny and the conspiracies around it? Well, I mean, the thing is, unless we find them in a tomb buried with soldiers, we don't really find it's you don't really find a lot of like weapons from back then. Um, I mean, maybe you might find some some arrowheads uh, on a battlefield or stuff like that. It's the fact the thing that I'm thinking of is where are they finding these like the spear of destiny? Like unless someone actually had it and passed it down throughout the ages, you always hear like, oh, some like with all the other relics. Oh, some angel gave it to Charlemagne or Constantine or there was a situation where someone had a vision from an angel where to find it. But in reality, where would they actually find these? And you hear about so many replicas that are making their way around everywhere. It's not hard to believe that. All of them are replicas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, I, I guess, do you have faith in any of these relics? I mean, of the, possibly some of the body parts that they find, like some of the body parts that they have, like it's not only Christianity that I read about. There was also body parts of Buddha. Supposedly after the Buddha died, they cut his body into eight pieces and they sent it all over the expanding like Buddha, you know, where, where they were trying to expand Buddha Buddhism into, they sent it all over Asia. And supposedly those are like the real pieces of the Buddha that actually still survive to this day. But they actually, there's stories of them actually planning on doing this and doing it, carrying out their plan. I mean, it's, it all happened either hundreds or thousands of years ago. And, you know, with time, these stories get taller and taller. Like, so who knows what's real or not? We can only really know what's real that kind of happened in recorded history. It's really hard for us to to actually know kind of what went on outside of like what the Romans wrote down or, you know, it's unless somebody wrote it down, 
and we still have kind of those books or those writings, it's really hard to tell, especially a lot of that early Christian stuff was, it was, it was all over the place. So before it became centralized, when they turned it into the New Testament. Right. Right. So, yeah. You know what? uh, Speaking about the other religion and their relics, I think maybe, since this episode is so enjoyable, uh, maybe you uh, bring that back and do another series on those ones. I think that'd be pretty sweet as well. I've never heard about the pieces of Buddha, but this one's badass. Yeah. Kind of, we, I mostly stuck to just Christian religion, just because I, I know it the best. And it's kind of, you know, you you hear about these things and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, there's, I mean, Christianity is just one religion in the world. And who's to say that there are more interesting ones in, you know, other religions? I really think that uh, like a lot of the pagan religions from just before this time are really interesting, even more interesting than Christianity. So, hell yeah. Uh, the other thing, last, my closing thing here is I think I'm kind of with you in these holy relics especially since there's whatever you said 18 foreskins flying around yeah uh yeah there's probably none of them i don't maybe one's real probably not but uh anyway the the what i was gonna say is um god i can't think of her name now one of the they had lorraine warren right Mm -hmm. i was watching that documentary about one of the people from the amityville horror house um and she pulls out a little necklace and she claims she has a splinter from the cross that jesus was on so uh, apparently that helps her battle the ghouls and goblins that she did when she was alive uh kind of interesting but uh anyway yeah so if anybody has any comments on these if you are in possession of the holy foreskin uh, anyone to reach out to us, where can they do that, Phil? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, it's always great, you know, episode ideas, all that kind of stuff, you know, praise, or if you want to talk shit, you know, tell us we suck. That's cool too. Uh, an even better way to get a hold of us is on our Instagram account, subliminal deception podcast on IG. Uh, same thing. It's great to get, you know, get the feedback from you guys, get all the likes, the, you know, you know, just telling us how we're doing. It's awesome. Uh, Cody and I both have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is SDPodPhil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Cody's the Bub. Uh, I haven't been on there as much, but I've been trying to get back to people more. Uh, the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave the show a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say. Just type whatever. Thank you to everybody who's taking the time to do that. Or if you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just hit the follow button and it will help shoot us up the charts and probably help us irritate more people. Uh, Phil, awesome episode. I love this episode. I know we've had back-to-back Christianity topics. Maybe I'll have to get something weird for next week's episode. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.